Hi, I'm Tig Notaro from Premium Blend nine years ago, and you're listening to Radio 8 Ball with Andras Jones. Radio 8 Ball, give us a shame. We're in the studio, tempting fate. Welcome back to Radio 8 Ball, the show where we answer questions by picking songs at random. I'm your host, Andras Jones, here in the studio with Chris Price. Yo. Providing the oracle fodder for our musical divinations. And sometimes in putting together a show, uh, at the last minute, a guest can't make it, something happens. And then I like to, that's when I get, that's when the synchronicity really kicks in. And one of the one of my little synchronicity tricks that I like to do is I like to just go and look on the guests' uh, Facebook and see who we share as mutual friends. Mm. We're this next guest is someone who we, we just became Facebook friends. We were talking a little bit earlier. Seems like we've been traveling around the same circles for decades, but this is the first time we actually connected. And then when I saw that she was also your Facebook friend, I was like, plus she has a very con- compelling name, and I'm gonna tell it to you now, Azalea Snell. Welcome to Radio 8 Ball, Azalea. Thanks for having me. Are you sure you didn't just like start digging under, you know, some of the plants in the backyard mm-hmm. to find me? You are an accomplished musician and songwriter and performer in your own right. And I actually, one of the reasons I invited you is because there's an organization that you had featured on your Facebook I was like, oh, well, this is a really exciting thing. You want to tell us a little bit about it? Yeah, it's funny because it's, I guess, we're in Pasadena right now. And uh, it was on the cover of the Pasadena Weekly, strangely Ooh. enough. Um, Pasadena yeah, this- loves you, Azalea. I know, big in Pasadena. It's like, wow, you know. Um, well, it's a project called Women of Rock Oral History Project by Tanya Pearson of Smith College. And she started this, I guess she really loved some of the early, like the 90s um, indie rockers like Veruca Salt and the Breeders and and decided that she couldn't find enough material about them online. Now, mind you, back then, we would just get stuff in, in the local in the papers before there was even an internet really so there was articles about all of us but it was probably never put on the internet so anyway tanya's point is that she wants to have it now so that people can access stories about these women that have kind of been overlooked a bit um and you can just you know google them and find out information and so like someone like me who has been up till now ignorant of your work would be turned on to it through a project like this. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it was like, really cool last night because all these like young people were there. Uh, you know, people of all ages at Zebulon. There was uh, three pl- panels. Playing there on sa- Sunday. Right on. The, perhaps. Oh yeah, yeah, great. Yeah. yeah, it's a beautiful venue. I love that place. I love it. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> so anyway, um, yeah, we had this uh, big show last night. It was sold out. 
and uh, three panels that talked about, you know, women in rock and different aspects of, you know, whether they feel like they've been overlooked, uh, uh, you know, um, uh, should there be a category of women of rock, which I never really thought there needed to be, but I understand what she's saying because she wants to bring attention to especially women that have been overlooked some of the you know the side people like you know that may not like maybe like whole or big but not that many people might know about patty the drummer and how much you know how important she was to the band so yeah so that's that's it and you know she's doing these um interviews that are about an hour to two hours at length and they're all online under i think it's womenofrock.org i believe women of rock so yes i love it we yes, had cool. we had one of our one of the women of rock. Yes, just just in the, on the on the show with us, Susanna Hoffs. Yeah, although definitely. she's also she's also probably one of the people who people do yes. are more aware of than yeah, the Bangles. She's a genuine did. rock star. Yes, yes yeah. she's a genuine rock star. She was signed to a, a major label, and they get played constantly on the radio. So, <laughs> so that's really great. But she came out of that indie that uh, whole like uh, yeah they started out pretty the three punky, o'clock the bangs. they were they were like uh, yeah pretty Not, rock and what was uh, the name of that scene the California psych scene the, of the eighties Paisley Underground Paisley Underground, Underground. Yeah. yeah yeah and they were originally called the Bangs, the bangs and were a lot yeah. more pop, punk yeah. yes. and then they got a little polished and more poppy as yes. they went along but without a doubt that yeah. worked for them though. They wanted their first record to be produced by Emmett Rhodes, just like me. Mm. Yeah. I, I talk about that with Sue sometimes, whereas they went to his house and tried to get him to to make a record with them in the early 80s, and he he didn't respond, was like not responsive. Same thing happened to me. 2006, I showed up at Emmett's door, and I wanted him to produce my first record. Never happened. I ended up producing his, and I got Sue on the record. Yeah. So that's synchronicity. It all comes <laughs> yeah. full circle. And he's kind of like a strange kind of like heart. I mean, I heard that he wouldn't, he didn't want to tour with his new album, well, stuff like he, that. Well, he's not... He, his his health prevents him from doing certain things. Mm, okay, that's the truth. He's uh, right. he's not in the best shape, right. but um, mm. you know, he, yeah. he's he's a he's a genius. That's what he is. Yeah. And that record, we I didn't get to say it when it came up before, but yeah, that record is phenomenal. Thank you. If you uh, you know, I'm there are probably still people who need to hear Emmett Rhodes' original stuff sure. from the late from the early seventies. You know those records. If you can, if you're not familiar with them and you like the music we play on the show, definitely track them down. And then mm-hmm. the the new record is a totally other, totally other thing. And actually, now getting to know your music, Chris, mm-hmm. I can see, I really see it as like a a collaboration record. It feels like a collaboration record. In some ways, yeah. We were trying to do essentially like if he had he stopped making records in '73. Yeah. And he was already headed towards a certain sound, which, in my opinion, by 1978, for example, he would have been making full-on AM Gold, like Andrew Gold-style records. Mm. Um, And so this album, we thought, like, what if this was, like, the actual fourth album, like, a few years later into the 70s? And so we, we kind of used a lot of that instrumentation and those kinds of arrangement touches uh, to give the impression that it would have been seamless from album three to four. Uh, so that, that musically, that's what it is. But then lyrically and vocally, he's a completely different guy, you know. I, and it's been four, it was forty three years. No, oh, it's dark. The, uh, the new record is like lyrically dark as well. It's, no. I, I think it's his best lyrics he ever wrote. I think right now he's the best 
uh, lyricist he's ever been uh, because he's unafraid to really rip himself wide open and just uh, it was it was a huge influence on me and my songwriting on my last record because uh, I, I hadn't I hadn't been around too many people that were that exposed as a songwriter um, and so his voice and his words give this impression of a long life lived hard in a hard way and uh, so you kind of contrast this sort of um, seamless musical transition with like a full like four decade jump tonally thematically and vocally yeah um, so it's kind of mm. it's in it sits in a weird space that record I, I would have I, I loved to um, oh I'm sorry I just was no. gonna say yeah. I was thinking about like the left bank and Michael yeah. Brown I would have loved to have seen him yeah. record newer stuff before he died I yeah. mean you know like they're so sad that people well you know you they know. get into this weird it's, it's, plight it's unfortunate I never met Michael Brown because yeah. I would have done that record <laughs> I know right I mean I, uh, I love the left bank and montage those records are just yeah. masterpieces those are great records baroque pop and you yeah. know, I, I, I just, love it. Yeah, me too. So, uh, well, clearly we're all on a similar page of you know aesthetically. Although I have to say, this is one of the things we talked about is, as I was driving here, and I want to bring into this is that not only is Azalea a pure pop fan and purveyor, but if you go back and listen to your early stuff. You are, you're, it's like angry riot girl pushing the nerve. It's experimental. It's not what you'd think. You, you wouldn't listen to it and think, yeah, she's rocking the left bank, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Some, some of it, though, I think you can tell. But, but you know, it's funny. I said even on the panel last night, because one of the young girls in the audience asked, you know, um, how do I go about just starting to play? And I said, just do it from your heart and soul. And as long as it's exactly true to what you love. And, yeah. and one of the things about me not being a totally like virtuous a musician like Dan West you know my husband who is like you can play every instrument and beautifully I mean I I you know I have ideas and stuff mm -hmm. but point is is that um, uh, my influences are so vast and I kind of just put everything into these records and so they're they're a real hodgepodge of, of soundscapes which you know, it's just kind of like I just did it because that's what I, what felt right, you know? Yeah. I think being a good writer and a good performer starts with being a good listener. And I think uh, my advice to anybody who is asking how to start is just listen a lot. Yeah. You know, listen to things. Be, be open yeah. to, to learning things from other people because all of that stuff informs you in subconscious ways later. You know? Absolutely. Like you, you, yeah. you just internalize as much as you can, and then you can you can put it back out in yeah. an interesting way. And like reading poetry is so important, you yeah. know, because it's one of the things I like. Because I have songwriting classes with little students, like 11, 12 years old, you know. Mm -hmm. And I, I say, you know, get out these poetry books. You know, I make them recite poetry. You know, yeah. and Sexton and Pablo Neruda. You know, Excuse me? Ever any Pablo Neruda? Uh, yes. Oh, uh, yeah. I love him. And I mean, just, you know, anything that, that, that you know, accomplished poets or new poets or because, um, you know, it's hard to be an interesting and innovative lyricist if you don't have the inspiration and, you know, you're not reading this stuff because it, right. it's just like listening to music. You also should pick up poetry books. And, you know, anytime I write, you know, if the, or if the kids write a line and it sounds like, you know, a million things you've heard before, I say, why don't you take it and try to twist it around or use some different language? And, you know, so I just stress trying to be as original as you can. For sure. You know? So, so. with that in mind, 
Azalea, what is your question for the Pop Oracle? Okay, so is the Pop Oracle Chris Price today? Well, he is he is yeah. providing the Oracle fodder. Yes. yes. Okay. It is speak it is the Oracle is speaking through Chris's okay. muse. Well, I'm I'm really interested in the whole resistance in general, the resistance movement, and we're not going to really get into the details of politics because that's too painful. No, but I'd like to, you know, what I'd like to say to people is, you know, what does resistance mean to you, and how can you contribute in your own way to, you know, making resistance something that's really part of your life and part of your kind of everyday way of dealing with things and my new album is called neon resistance so it's a little plug there but uh, but i did that on purpose because um i feel like each and every day i'm resisting all kinds of crap from bad drivers on the road you know to what's going on in politics and to what you have to deal with just to make you know survive in life i mean i'm i work as a costume person because i never made a lot of money in music not too bad not too shabby but Mm -hmm. you know people have to do things in life that may not be as comfortable or as you know idealistic as they'd like but you know what can you do in your life to keep resistance part of your regime okay what can you do what do you what can you do in life to make resistance part of your regime and this is for you but also for anyone who's listening mm-hmm. okay well uh now to engage the pop oracle you get to spin oh okay i'm gonna get up and yeah. physically spin the this. wheel wow. of eight Na 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 We love it Song number five Past is present I was hoping I was secretly hoping this one was gonna be drawn. You're kidding. Yeah. I was hoping for lucky seven. Ah, I like okay. seven. Yeah. Can't fall asleep, so I lie awake, take myself back again. What you did to me, what I did to them, it's a cycle that'll never end. Wish it was all in the past, but the past is never done with me. Wish it was all in the past, but the past is always present. Memories fade, but some of them stay, some can keep us awake. A moment astray that everything changed Impossible to run away The shit was all in the past But the past is ever done with me Wish it was all in the past But the past is always present Everything you do Can come back to haunt you By someone oh, oh, oh. I pray for forgiveness I'm just a man All deserve a second chance But the world could forgive and I won't forget In prison where I stand Wish it was all in the past But the past is never done with me Wish it was all in the past But the past is always present 
everything you do can come back to haunt you. Everything you've done will be remembered by someone. Oh, 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 all in the past. Wish it was all in the past. And that was past is present from Chris Price, the answer to Azalea Snail's question, what can we do on a daily basis to be part of the resistance? And before we get into the interpretation, Chris, you had an immediate, immediate hit. You said you were hoping for that to be the answer. What? Wh- yeah. Why? Yeah, what well, was it? Well, I've been thinking a lot about... Um... This is the most recent song I wrote. I just wrote this in late October, early November, um, and it was uh, it was a way to process what's happening in the world, especially with the Me Too movement, um, mm-hmm. which is uh, there's there's a lot of um, revelatory stuff coming out about people, uh, things that they've done in the past. Things there's a reckoning upon a certain kind of person, uh, and there. There's certainly something that we all can do, especially men can do right now, which is to hold ourselves accountable and keep ourselves um, uh, transparent to ourselves and know that uh, these sorts of things are systemic, they're institutional. Uh, People get abused and uh, demeaned and lessened by society on a daily basis. And however uh, small or big, we are all complicit in perpetuating those systems and institutions, uh, whether by inaction or by direct action that we've done that have caught, that's caused harm to people. And I feel like I know that I have been a part of the problem in my life, and I have I took the opportunity to really go inside myself and and recognize that. Um, and that song is sort of a reckoning of my own. Uh, understanding the past is never done. It's always here with me. Everything that every choice that one makes uh, can will stay with you for better or worse. Uh, and if it doesn't stay with you, it might stay with someone else. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the past can't change, but you can change the future. And the only way to do that is to reckon with the past and the present. And I think that that's a really important message today in terms of resisting. The things, the, the things that uh, are, are sickening our society and our discourse, um, we, we have to be open and honest with ourselves. We have to hold ourselves accountable first before we hold anyone else accountable. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I think that once we do that, we understand, uh, you know, flaws are abundant among all of us. Uh, nobody's perfect. And there are people who have done terrible things. Uh, but the only way forward for our society is to understand that we're we're not exempt. No no one's innocent, you know. Just like no one's one hundred percent guilty, no one's one hundred percent innocent. So we all live in the middle ground. And uh, the, I think there is somebody who's one hundred percent guilty. You know what I'm talking about? Okay. <laughs> well, see, that, that's the one. thing is, I, I I think moving forward in our society, I, I, like I, I I worry about pendulum shifts. You know, we had Obama for eight years and it drove a certain part of this country crazy. And as a result, 
we got the war like the pendulum shifted all the way in the other direction and i'm worrying that this is like a it's a trend that can just get really out of hand yeah um i there there's nothing i want more in my life than to not feel like i like to feel like i don't have to think about politics Mm-hmm. Or the or watch the news. Like I, I miss that. I miss thinking like I, I'm just gonna worry about my own stupid crap. But like every 15 minutes, I feel like I have to check CNN because yeah. something catastrophic might have happened. And I'm usually right. Yeah. You know? Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, uh, well. With that in mind, Azalea, what what do you think about that as the answer? Well, to your I, it brought tears to my eyes. I mean, you know, um, I have been so diminished by a lot. I mean. Not just men, but everybody. I mean, not everybody. Yeah. Okay, not everybody. But uh, it's it's funny because somebody on patriarchy the- in general in the air. Yeah, yeah but yeah. not just pa- not just the male thing. But I mean, like for last night again to bring up just this panel I was on with Julie K. Fritz from Pussy mm-hmm. Galore. She always kind of snubbed me in New York and kind of thought I was just this weird hippie chick and didn't really even ever want to understand what I'm doing. And she kind of profusely apologized to me last night. It was really moving. She kissed me on the cheek and and actually complimented my live performance. And so I guess my point is from when, you know, when I became uh, a, a teen, my dad just did not, no longer really could be my dad. He just did not get me. I was this, you know, punky, you know, just very um, devoted to rock and roll you know, geek, really. And and my dad just stopped being able to understand me. My mom, pretty much as well. So I, you know, from being young and trying to, you know, just get through the world, you know, puberty hits, and it's just like tragic, right? And so then I went to New York thinking, okay, I'm going to finally find a place I can belong, you know, at 18. And that was really tough, because yeah, there was a lot of guys that, you know, God, you know, all kinds of stuff going on. I mean, I was pretty tough and avoided real disaster but you know a lot of men that tried to you know do things that i wasn't comfortable with and you know when i started putting out music you know diminishing me to the, oh that's the weird chick with the weird name and they never really got me which i kind of got a kick out of because i was like well hell with them you know i'm doing my thing and dan you know dan west my husband always says yeah it made you even more of a rebel and mm-hmm. more anarch of an anarchist but but no, I love what you said, Chris. And you know, we, and and I, you know, just, and, and as a woman, I have not been perfect. I mean, I've been really competitive with other women, and I can't stand that. And that's something that kind of society just kind of, you know, oh, she's got the great hair and the great skin and the great body, mm-hmm. and you know, she's made it and you haven't, and. You know, so we're all struggling to try to be better people. Right. And I think the first step is admitting it. It's like yeah. what they tell you in uh, AA meetings or whatever, you know. Yeah, and you I, have to hold yourself accountable. Exactly. I, I think, like, I could go on about this forever. Yeah. Uh, I, I do think that, um, like, especially, I, I hope a lot of men are doing this because right now we're in a place where we're nailing guys like Harvey Weinstein up against the wall, and I'm, and we should do that but it's so easy to pin all of the problems on a boogeyman well yeah Yeah. i mean it's i got in this thing online with someone and i was saying i was saying that harvey weinstein was a scapegoat and they're like well he's guilty i was like you can be guilty and still be a scapegoat the function of the scapegoat isn't about whether or not they're guilty it's about that we use them 
to assuage our own guilt. Well, oh, we can judge. It's all on he, that he, person. He got his due, so then, so we don't actually have to change the system. Right. That propped this guy up. Right. And we don't him all have away to away have... from criminal yeah. prosecution for years. Right. Uh, prevented women from being able to speak about what he did. Uh, these systems are really what we need to be talking about right. changing. And if we just think, oh, we get rid of this one asshole, then all our problems are solved. Then we're not actually addressing the problem. Well, it's when you say uh, when you say there's a reckoning, the thing I think is like that's what we're in right now. But mm -hmm. to me, where all of these conversations are going is what we're heading for. And what we if we're if there's a hope, it's a reconciliation. Is that it's like the like Nelson Mandela and the truth yes. and the reconciliation. But that's not going to happen unless get, men right. are sitting down and saying yes. Yeah, yeah. I absolutely. know what I did. Yeah, I know that that well, I did this to you. And it's and I think that what it's about is it's about it is about men, but it's about power too. Yeah, it's about people in positions of power. I don't know right now this which just have traditionally been which men. have been tr traditionally been men and the women who succeeded in that power dynamic were the ones who would accommodate and support and even cheer on and join to to a certain I, point. I do, join, I do join think in. there is something uh, there in the fact that uh, you know you hear about certain people around Weinstein uh, that happen to be women and they are the ones reaching out to actresses and telling them to meet them, meet, meet. Yeah. Harvey I mean, it's a horrible, it's, I mean, the thing I is, know, it's right? what it's you're saying is that yeah. we're all yeah. like, ultimately it's a sense of like, we are like to some degree, if you can't find the area where you are complicit yeah. and have been complicit, whatever gender you are, yeah. and certainly men need to be having this conversation, mm -hmm. but men and I don't want to cut women out of the conversation no. or be cut out of the conversation because it's really about power dynamics and not taking responsibility yeah. well, and scale, like all of these things, like having good consent conversations mm -hmm. and that idea of reconciliation. It has to come with truth. Yes. Someone has to come to you and say, I'm sorry, I snubbed you. Like how easy yeah. is it to forgive someone when they actually apologize? It's actually, yeah. you yeah. can't kind of can't help it. You want to heal. Yeah. The it's human being wants to heal. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because, like, you think people like Kevin Spacey and, I guess, James Franco now, mm -hmm. you know, how do they move on? How can they get their careers back? Like, what right. do they do next? I mean, a lot of people are just like, oh, they should just, you know, go to some, you know, island and just live alone. But, you know, realistically, what are these people going to do if they do get the right therapy? I mean, Weinstein wasn't willing to stay, I think, more than a week at this... A day. She -she, like a a day, day. At this she-she healing center, what, in yeah. Arizona or something? Yeah. But, you know, people like, I think, James Franco might have hope. I mean, he's got enough really great people around him. Um, you know, I, I, but... look in terms of uh, what we do with people who have been outed and publicly exposed for things that they've done. I, I don't know that we're gonna know that the answer to that question for several years. Yeah, I, it's gonna take a lot of time to sift through all of this. But I just feel like the day that the Me Too thing blew open. It was it was like just thousands and thousands, yeah. maybe a million yeah. tweets and posts that all came at once, and it just it it was it, yeah. it I cried I I read it all and I I was just so overwhelmed and I felt like this can't be just another day right. at the office like this has to be we have to meet this moment with something and and as a man I felt like what I needed to meet the moment with was accountability to myself 
for things that I've done in my past that have either disrespected or treated women wrongly. And, uh, you know, if, if, if a man out there can say that they've never been in a situation like that, then, you know, more power to them. But what, I, um, if you don't mind my asking, what, what did you do? Did you actually contact people that you offended or insulted or whatever and um, reached out or how did you I, I posted on Facebook oh, okay. a public post oh, wow. uh, saying, I may have seen that yeah, I, yeah. I, I did a post on Facebook that basically said that uh, I, I acknowledge and uh, deeply appreciate the bravery and honesty uh, that it took to say all these things and it got me thinking about myself and uh, I, I feel like um, I feel like all of us should be doing such a thing right now. We, we should all be looking inside ourselves and saying, what have we done to help this, this sickness to perpetuate? And what can we do now to make it better? Uh, and the first thing we can do is honesty and accountability. So yep. I, I don't know. I mean, I think that uh, you see a lot of apologies coming out after someone's been outed yeah. for something that they've done. Right. And they all feel kind of mechanical to me. Yeah. Uh, well, very probably few written by publicists. And very few, uh, or, lawyers, or lawyers, because yeah. they're trying not to right. get prosecuted. Um, I, I, very few of them have come across as deeply or genuinely apologetic or remorseful, uh, and and did, most of them, most of them are about the guy apologizing and not about the person that they did something to. Yeah. You did know? you, uh, I'm just curious, did either of you get a chance to read or hear Dan Harmon's recent? I did. I thought it was a very, uh, like, uh, that was a good example yeah. of somebody make, making a statement that was more about the person that they did something wrong to rather than about themselves. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it, was, it was accountability. Right. And, and again, like, you saw the reaction uh, that she had to his apology and I, I do think that's the truth and reconciliation thing right there. Yeah. Yes, you're not crazy. This happened to you. This is real. I yeah. did it. Yeah. I, you know, you're not lying. Yeah. And I'm sorry from the bottom of my heart. But, you know, I'm not going to pretend like this thing wasn't inside of me. Right. And And I'm not going to pretend like society allowed me for so long not to think about it. Yeah. I didn't have to think about yeah. it. Yeah. Because nobody was coming after me for it because this is the way things are. And that's what I mean. It's funny going back to that thing where you said, like, I want to go back to this time Mm -hmm. where I could not check the news. Yeah. And I feel like this is uh, this is one of the things that's becoming really clear to me, especially I'm putting out this podcast daily. Mm -hmm. So I'm every day having to like even more having to be very conscious of like what Mm -hmm. I'm putting out and realizing, oh, and something that I realized when I was doing some yoga workshop or something that there isn't there are no breaks from consciousness mm-hmm. that like there if and there are no breaks like it's like that like you don't get sorry dude you don't get a day to not think about sexism and privilege just because you yeah. don't want to break we're gonna yeah. this is a conversation we have to get up and have today and then tomorrow we're gonna have to have it again and then again and then again and if you think that there's some day when we're gonna have to not have the conversation then you're living in this fantasy world that's created by like tv shows that end and songs that end i, and, I do you know. i do have a, a sort of a mixed opinion on that in, yeah in as much as i think the most important conversation that each of us has to have first is with ourselves Absolutely. and then with people that we've done things wrong to mm-hmm. uh, i think those are the two most in terms of your own immediate life then there's the larger national discussion that's going on and i do think that discourse in this country is toxic 
I think it's uh, pretty it's pretty bad out there. Yeah. In terms of the the conversation that people are are having with each other, so many people talking past each other, uh, fermenting hate and anger towards each other, creating divisions, and I think that to a certain extent, uh, there this movement has gone national, everyone's attention is on it, and now we all need to go inward. And the more we stay in a place where we're fighting with each other about it, the less we're going to actually have in terms of progress. That So that's why I'm mixed on that statement. Yeah. Well, I guess yeah. I mean the con- – but I hear what you're saying. Absolutely. The, yeah. I mean the conversation. And I do think that we – like my experience is that actual conversations between actual people are actually happening at a pretty high level. Yes. It's the the sort of general – fomented conversation yeah. that is bullshit. But I just started typing yeah. something and 30 <laughs> minutes later I'm yelling at a stranger. <laughs> right, right. You know, I've never met and we're yelling about something that has nothing to do with either of us specifically. You know? I was going to say there's a lot of really stubborn people that just don't want to steer themselves away from a certain discourse. You know, like and, you know, these people that are living in small towns that just re- really never have met people of color or, you know, they're sort of stuck in the way they were raised, which is mm-hmm. very backward, yeah. you know, and they just haven't progressed. Small towns like Toluca Lake. <laughs> you need to, have, you need to yeah. have empathy for other people, yeah. see other people as people right. and not as uh, figments of your imagination. Right. See, I, yeah, yeah right. I was really lucky because I, I grew up in Newark, New Jersey when I was mm-hmm. a kid and we, we lived in a building that had kids from all over uh, the world because they, a lot of the parents uh, worked at the United Nations. Mm-hmm. So so literally in my building, there was, you know, African, Asian. And so th- when I was a little girl, I just thought that was the way the world, you know, that's the way it is. That, that is you're gonna the have, way the world is. It is <laughs> yeah. the way the world is. But then, you you know, you, you get, you hear about people that just don't understand that it doesn't matter what color your skin is, your, your uh, sex or whatever. I mean, we're all people and... Mm-hmm. It's really interesting to me to, to to be amongst all these cool uh, different people, and that's why I always loved you know touring and seeing different places, and it, it just opens you up. Well, and, I, was, I want us to bring it back to your question because uh-huh. we you know, we mm. got we got other guests to get yeah. to, but bring it back to your question about how can each of us. Uh, be part of the resistance. You've heard, uh, and especially because of what we're talking about, I the natural inclination. Just to, I, we can't help it when there's guys in a room talking with a woman. The guys are we're going to dominate the conversation unless we check ourselves. So I want to give you a moment, first of all, to like wrap up with how wrap up what you take from this, and also to tell us about your project, the Neon Resistance oh, that's okay, coming up. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> well, I mean. To me, uh, and I sort of said it a little bit before, but resistance is really like about what, you know, how you ever, how one person can deal with all the complexities and kind of the agony and the ecstasy of everyday life. How do you deal with it? Um, You know, whether it's your personal agenda or the bigger agenda of the world. And, you know, so neon, you know, the idea of neon, you know, bright, a bright, you know, standout resistance um, is something that's kind of always came very natural to me because I'm a really stubborn kind of, you know, um, very strong, uh, opinionated woman uh, person. And, um, you know, so that's the idea of the album. I mean, it's it's about, uh, you know, there's, there's 12 songs. They're all 
about obviously different things. Um, but, um, you know, I just like the idea of um, setting your own agenda and not really worrying about what other people are thinking about what you're saying. You when, know, just, when you say neon resistance, it makes me think of it like it has a sort of a glam rocky kind of feel, well, which is like when I think of past and present, there's mm -hmm. like taking something that is retro or something that's grounded in uh, a previous generation's style of music and then making it present and repurposing yeah, that's it. That's that good. That probably would work for, for Chris Price as well. But, you know, like we love our, our love of vintage, but obviously we want to bring it into the, 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 the recent world, the modern world. So we yeah. want it to sound fresh, um, but we're using aspects of, yeah, everything that has inspired us. So neon resistance, neon mm -hmm. resistance. Yeah. And synchronistically, like I said, this just all happened. We didn't, this all sort of came together at the last minute, but when this comes out, it's coming out right before your record comes out. So it ends up being perfect promotion. And when is your record? Coming um, out? February 16th on the right. small label called silver records. And it's not, he soon to be huge label demo. called silver. Records. <laughs> it's a little, it's a label. North soon Carolina. to be investigated. <laughs> By Homeland Security. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We're all yeah. on a watch list. Yeah, right. I hope. Yeah. I hope I my work yeah. is that valuable. It's a badge of yeah. honor. Yeah. He does a lot of um, interesting out there. You know, he does a lot of drone and noise infested stuff. So it's cool. a pretty good label for me. You know, it's small, but he has his heart in the right place. Cool. Um, so, yeah. Don't sell it too big. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I like to keep, I like to be modest. You know, I don't, I don't want to. Yeah. Yes. Well, I'll see you all on the blacklist. All right. Yeah. Thanks for listening to Radio 8 Ball. If you enjoy the show, please subscribe to us on iTunes or Stitcher, and check out our website and the links provided for info about past and future shows on the Radio 8 blog, our ongoing Patreon campaign, and where you can download our Radio 8 Ball app that allows you to engage the Pop Oracle directly in the form of every song ever performed in the history of Radio 8 Ball. I hope today's musical divination brings and brought the sync to you wherever you are. And until next time, I'm your host, Andras Jones, wishing you lots of spine-tingling synchronicities, connections with the natural world, and all the inspiration you can handle. It's the Radio Show. It's a good show.